All right, welcome to the Average Joe's Podcast, episode 40. Everyone go around and introduce yourselves. I'm Jacob Lesky from CMU. I'm Kevin Bailey from Grand Valley. And I'm Colin O'Brien from Michigan State. I am Felix Peroni, formerly of WKU, currently coach of OSU and president of the NCDA. So uh, right now, uh, we are at the end of of our first of our first half of our season and uh now we're here to recap and talk about different things we're going to talk about uh where teams are at where uh, how we thought teams have done whether they disappointed us or uh surprised us or exactly where we thought they'd be and then we're going to talk about uh, mid-season awards and different things like that and then we're going to talk a little bit about nationals as well so colin what did you uh what do you think so far this season uh, I thought uh, the, t- the three teams represented here of Grand Valley Central and Michigan State really came out and showed that they're not only at the top of the league, but it's really close at the top of the league. Uh, I think, you know, we're now three and two against, or two and three against Grand Valley and, and one and two against CMU. And Central's, what, two and one versus Grand Valley, I think. Um, yep. There's, what, three overtime games in, in that, so. Is really, really competitive among the top three teams there in Michigan. And even the games were sagging. I know we was overtime versus them, uh, almost an overtime game versus Central. So Michigan, we know where, where they're at. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, two t- there's a lot of top teams there. And then I was really impressed with Ohio State uh, when we played them. Uh, they really, I think, were trying to make that jump into the top tier uh, of the league. They really played us well. We were fortunate to get a win there. Um, and then I really haven't been, you know, I can't tell what how the East Coast looks now compared to the other parts of the, the league because, you know, just due to travel restrictions and all that. So um, it'll be interesting to see how JMU does uh, when they, if they play some Michigan teams compared to how they did last year. Well said, well said. Kevin. Yeah, I agree with everything Colin said. Uh just from Grand Valley's perspective, we've gone to overtime against every other team in Michigan already in the first half of the season, which uh, has definitely never ha- happened before that uh, for us. So, yeah, it definitely shows that uh, the top of the league is pretty pretty tight. And spe- I mean just every team in Michigan. Uh, and then I wish I would have seen Ohio State, but I haven't seen them yet through the first semester. But... I heard that they're pretty good, and then obviously the East Coast teams, it's disappointing that they haven't had that many games or that you know they've been able to travel out here that much. So I'm excited to see you know how they kind of match up against all the teams from the like Midwest the second semester. Sounds great. Felix, you're up. All right, so uh, obviously we got Michigan State, Grand Valley and Central Michigan in the top four, along with, um, I think, Kent State's up there as well. But um, aside from Kent State, I definitely Michigan State, Grand Valley, and Central Michigan are top-tier teams. I'm, I'm obviously now coaching Ohio State, and we've been working a lot this year to incorporate not only their natural athleticism and their arms, because I think that's the biggest thing that we bring as a team is uh, we have a lot of arms. It's not just one or two guys that have cannons. We have seven or eight guys that can throw in the upper 60s, low 70s. And so 
once we actually get to play a lot of good competition, I think it'll um, it'll bring some fear into the the eyes of you Michigan schools. Um, I'm really excited about it. So far, we've played a lot of the Ohio schools this year. We played WKU and Michigan State, but outside of WKU and Michigan State, uh, there was a UK game once. Mostly, it's just been against Baldwin Wallace, Akron, Kent State. So, I'm looking for some some top tier competition next semester. Um, so, I know that we were really disappointed we get to, we didn't get to play Grand Valley and Central. So. I think that'll be great. Um, as far as the lower end of the the rankings, I really want to see more out of uh, Wisconsin Platteville this year and Penn State. I'm really excited to see where those programs go. And uh, DePaul, DePaul has only played four games, which is kind of unusual for them. Usually they're they're playing quite a few. So I really want to see those teams become more active. Yeah, glad to hear it. So uh, as of now, for the standings based off the uh, Gonzalez Perone champ in Lieblick uh, systems in first place is uh, Grand Valley. But that, I'm not going to get into the averages and algorithms, but actually they are tied. Sorry, tied with CMU at 2.25. Uh, then third is MSU closely behind. Uh, fourth, JMU. Fifth, Ohio State. And then sixth, Kent. Seventh, SVSU. Eighth, Penn State. Ninth, Towson. Tenth, UK. So, uh, I'll start with surprises. Uh, I'm really actually surprised to hear. Uh, actually, I thought I thought OSU. I mean, the other fifth, but I thought for sure that they would be in the top three. That was my preseason prediction. I thought they'd be in the top three already, but maybe it's because Grand Valley Central and Michigan State are getting so many opportunities to play each other. That's my yeah. What I, I take away from that. Um, I think that I think you're right on that. Just because a lot of the systems, I know that uh, the system that I developed, the Peroni system, and I know the Lieblick system, it, it's it's based a lot on your your opponent's strength and how well they play. And so with OSU playing a lot of the schools like WKU and Ohio University that really that haven't won a game this year, um, it doesn't really it doesn't give a lot of points for a win against them. So so while um, I think that we can definitely go fist-to-fist -fist with top three teams, I definitely want to see it in action. Yeah, yeah. I definitely – I'm. I feel like it's been a just an average uh, first part of the season. I mean, mm -hmm. not many too, – too many teams outside have played each other. I think – I don't think how many – I can't even think of how many teams. I think Central's only played two teams outside of the state of Michigan, and last year we played – over 10 different teams outside the state, which I thought right. was great progress. But different things happen uh, each year. But, um, Colin, is there any disappointments or any surprises when you uh, so far with the standings or where teams are at? Um, I would say just a big surprise is one match was when Baldwin Wallace was able to knock off Kentucky, or Western Kentucky, yeah. rather. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think around the league a lot of people were kind of surprised to see that scoreline. Um, I think not since JMU beating Michigan State Nationals the year before I was part of the team uh, has there been a new team kind of knock off a mainstay so quick. Um, so that was a big surprise for me. Just looking at the standings now as a whole, um, 
I think there are teams that aren't really reflected in the right spot just based on what games they've had a chance to play. Um, I think Bowling Green is probably better than their twelfth in their twelfth spot. They're just they've been out and traveled a lot and they've played a lot of Michigan teams. And yeah. I think that's just kind of uh, chopped them up with a lot of losses that uh, maybe not is the accurate portrayal of their team. And then I think Saginaw too, with sort of the same similar thing. They are as good as anyone. Uh, they just kind of uh, faltered in the hands of the other three Michigan schools a lot. Um, and as you said, Lesky, that I think Ohio State could easily climb up a little bit in there, uh, just same as Felix said, not really getting outside of Ohio that much. Well, as you can see, they're only, in the algorithm average, they're only .25 behind JMU, so they will have plenty of opportunities to jump them. So, uh, Kevin, any surprises, disappointments, or anything else about the first half of the season so far? Uh, yeah, I was surprised by, like you said, Baldwin-Wallace, but then also Akron. Mm-hmm. Both those, like Baldwin-Wallace is 5-5, five and five, and then Akron is 4-7, and seven, and those are both surprises for me. I didn't, because those teams rarely won, if at all, last season. Uh, yeah, never close. And I guess... I don't know if it's really a disappointment, but Kentucky, let me see what their record is. They're only 3-5. and five. I, I don't think that really reflects how good they can be when they have their full roster. So not as much a disappointment as just, I guess they're, they're a lot better than what that record indicates. One thing that I'd like to shout out, and especially like what I was surprised about, Ohio University starting up this year, they've already played so many games, and for their first semester to go out and to go out, show up to every game. They traveled to Saginaw, which is a hell of a drive. They they came up, showed up, and while they're they're still developing as a team, I love that they're going out to tournaments. They're traveling and having fun with it. Yeah. Uh, I was with their captain, Caleb Arnold, this weekend, and he said that there's no... They don't look down upon themselves. They're not, like, getting discouraged because of their losses, but they're actually really excited because they see the potential that they could reach by playing all these better teams. So that's the right attitude to have. I'm really happy for that team, and I really hope they continue and stay strong in the league. Yeah, glad to hear it. Well said. Um... Is there any new any update on what Pitt's going on with Pitt? So uh, I talked to Katie about this, and a lot of her team got discouraged when they weren't able to go to the the Towson tournament that ended up getting canceled, but then moved to Maryland. And so she's been have since then she's been having a lot of trouble getting people to practice. So they're going to use the rest of this semester in the beginning of next semester to kind of try to um, recruit more and kind of rebuild their team because a lot of their guys lost interest and they're and I think they're since they don't have the game experience none of them have ever seen NCDA match they don't know what to expect and that animosity is kind of um, shaking them up a little bit so they just need to get out there play realize that we're here to have a good time throw some balls at each other and once once Pittsburgh's uh, bureaucracy lets up because right now they're tied down by a whole bunch of rules and everything like that that they just basically don't want them to have this club. So as soon as they get over that and figure out what's going on on the school side, then I think they'll be a, a good, solid new program. And then what about Virginia Tech? 
Um, so Virginia Tech, their captain, Matt, uh, he's a super nice guy. His girlfriend goes to JMU, and that's how he learned about the whole oh, nice. program. And so he started the team. He said they have around 30 guys that show up to practice regularly. What? So that's really good. <laughs> that's nice. um, they're just waiting for a, a tournament close by where they can go to. So if any schools down in uh, Virginia want to host, they'd probably show up. All right, and are there any other new teams that are trying to get started that you know of? Uh, there are a couple new teams. Uh, one, we have to keep a secret until their first game. Um, once that's revealed, you'll know why. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then we have a couple more who have shown interest recently. There's a school down in Florida, and then there's a new school I found the other day in Pennsylvania that has a club and apparently has had a club for a few years, but they don't participate um, in the NCDA, so we're gonna I'm gonna have Dylan reach out to them to see if we can get them into the league because that would be great competition for some of the East Coast schools. It's pretty close to that and uh, Penn State. Yeah, absolutely. So good. All right. Well, moving on to the highlights of the season. So uh, I know for me the highlights of the season I would say definitely for Central were the. Uh, so far against all teams, they have a winning record, which is a big uh, a big highlight. But I would say a big highlight is the amount of matches, as we stated earlier, that Akron and Ohio are playing. Yeah. Um, being brand new teams, I think it's just incredible. I've never I've never seen this a team this new play that many games and knock it down themselves for getting their butt whooped every time they play. It's it says a lot about the leaders on that team. Yeah. Yeah, Colin, uh, highlights of the season for you. Um, I mean, I kind of have to start with our first match of the season. Um, I think we were what, Kevin, 35, 36 losses yeah. in, the, in the history. So um, getting the win over Grand Valley to start the year, uh, it was kind of crazy to see all of the former state players I'm friends with on Facebook. Like, they were posting our group. In our Facebook group, like, congrats, guys. They were posting comments, tagging other other teammates, saying, like, hey, it actually happened. <laughs> uh, so see, just kind of seeing that, like, response is kind of big, knowing that, all right, this is uh, – it's been a long time coming, and we're finally able to get it done. So for me, that's a big highlight. And then I think just in back-to-back -back weeks when we were able to come back for Grand Valley and come back for Ohio State uh, – those were just two big wins for, for our team, knowing that, hey, no matter what the situation is, we're confident we can still win. Kevin. And, sorry, one last thing. Highlight uh, what the overtime, all the overtime games that I've either refed or been a part of, I think, have been just fantastic to watch. Uh, I think the only the only bad one was when, when Grand Valley smoked us, but I think outside of that, it's been <laughs> been really close. They've been really competitive and uh, gone down to the wire. And, and you know, ours were CMU with, with Brett catching me, and then with with Kevin's toe, you know, being a little bit too far. <laughs> uh, just been some some great some great overtime matches. Well said. Yeah, you stole my. Uh... That's what I was going to say is how many overtime games like there have been. There's been 10 so far. What? There's and, been 10. Yeah, that's crazy. Like we had like two seasons ago we didn't even play a single overtime game and I yeah. think we've had like five maybe this year or four. 
But yeah, all the uh, just the close matches would be a highlight for me so far because there have been seasons in the past where there's just blowouts and then maybe a close game or two like per tournament. It seems like some of these tournaments, every single game could be won by either team and it's close matches like all the way till the end in almost all the games. It's exciting. Yeah. How about you, Felix? Well, I've been really excited about the overtime. I've been really excited about how it looks like a lot of teams are willing, more willing to travel longer distances and play a lot of games. I'm really excited that Bowling Green State has played so much. They've played 12 games so far this season. Wow. Um, Akron's played 11. Saginaw's played 10. Uh, a few years ago, Saginaw only got like four or five games in before Nationals. That was last year. Last year, yeah, and so that's great. Um, Baldwin Wallace, they're, this is their second year in the league, and they're five and five, which is awesome. Um, their <laughs> captain, crazy. their captain TJ, is so dedicated to the game. He's a he's an incredible athlete. Um, I'm really excited for that team, especially under his leadership. He picked up the game so quickly, and it's showing because it's rubbing off on his team. And they're they're not nothing to scoff at. That team is legit. Uh, the overtime match between Baldwin Wallace and WKU was a lot of fun. Those are two very evenly matched teams at that point in the day. It was both their third games of the day, and um, it was just a lot of fun to watch. So I'm just really hoping that we get more schools on the East Coast so that way those guys have more to play because the um, I know we were all looking to see what Towson can do this year, and I want Towson, James Madison, and Maryland especially to get some more games in. That way um, CM, or VCU and Stevenson can play other schools than just those three. Yeah. Yes, if you uh, are listeners, if you do not know Towson, um, for the semester is uh, no longer active. Is that correct, Felix? Yeah, they they were disbanded by their university uh, to put on probation until January 1st. So um, hopefully they will be able to get that all Take situated. Yeah. For the spring. Mm-hmm. Our thoughts are with them. It is not <laughs> a fun situation. No. No. All right, so moving on to mid-season awards. So we're going to go with uh, an MVP. You're going to list your MVP, your most improved, and then your rookie that you thought you think so far is on the best. Uh, East Coast, we apologize. It's going to be a little biased because we don't really get to uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. see you play. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to throw that out there. So, uh, Kevin, how about you? Unless you need more time, how about you get started? I... Uh, you need to think about it. Um, well, for MVP, that's there's a lot of different people that could win that, but based off last tournament alone, I'll just say, like the, the uh, Spartan invite, it could have been either uh, Riley or Zach for uh, CMU because they both just did really amazing uh, in that tournament. But honestly, that'll just be determined probably – at nationals, whichever team ends up winning, <laughs> it ends up being so. Yep. Whichever guy plays the best for the team that ends up winning nationals is what it has seemed to be in the past. But uh, most improved, like most improved player, I don't know. I'll have to come back to that one. Uh, All right. Rookie of the year, I think there's a couple. Cho- well, MSU, I don't know the names, but there's a couple. Rookies on MS, 
MSU that have impressed me a lot. Uh, and then there's a couple guys on our team that also probably could earn that distinction. I won't mention their names. I don't want to break the secret. But. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get back to you on most improved player. i got to think about that. Sounds good. Uh, Felix. For MVP, um, based on the games that I've seen, honestly, uh, Colin, I would put up for a contender of that. He's been an incredible player, and especially with what he's done with the program. Like, because, Ooh. yeah, Colin. <laughs> oh, Colin, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'd just put him up there because it's not only what you can do on the court, but it's also what you're doing with your team that would make me choose him as an MVP. And um, as far as most improved player, I know Kevin's told me his name a thousand times. I'm never going to remember, so it's the curly-headed blonde kid from Grand Valley. Oh, Logan. Logan? Okay. I was going to say Jeremy, which is I'm not even close, apparently. So. <laughs> All right, so Logan, uh, he, from what I saw at the, I guess it was the MSU tournament most recent, um, he was doing very, very well. I was very impressed with his athleticism, and it just seemed like he was very aware of his position on the court. And then, uh, who else we got? Rookie of the year? I don't know, man. Uh, the entire Ohio University team just for going out and playing. Very true. Very true. Uh, I'd say my uh, MVP, and this is based off, yeah, like you said, kind of off the court, but also leadership, is uh, Tyrell Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, I am just been really impressed with how well how well he just leads his team. They know how to have a lot of fun, but they also know when to take it seriously. And uh, I think that's a any good leader knows when to when to just chill out and let your team have more fun than actually trying to win. And uh, I think he does a really good job balancing that. He's also a good player, so. Uh, I wanted to give him a shout-out for what he's been doing with his team. He does have a cannon. I wanted to give him a shout-out. And then, uh, I'd say most improved. uh, I I have a feeling Colin was going to use this. I'm going to give it to Alex Holzgen from CMU. Uh, He is just, I feel like he's just been killing it lately. And I've just been really impressed with how he's been doing. I don't get to practice with them, so I only see them at games. So I thought he's been doing really well. And for uh, Rookie of the Year... Or rookie, I would say rookie so far. I would say is um, I would say yeah, I would say anybody. I would say all the girls from Bowling Green and Kent State that I've never seen before. Those <laughs> girls are killing it out there. They're doing a great job. So, Colin, you man. I I got my most improved. It's uh the guy from Michigan State. I forgot his name. Number eight. Oh, Lucas. Yeah, he's he's. I agree. He's been a lot better this year. Yeah, he's definitely. Oh, yeah, he has. Off first half of the year, at least. He's definitely gone from a player who you know is a nice depth guy to uh, one of our top guys, and he's cracked an overtime roster here and there. So, I agree. We yeah. really, uh, really appreciated his improvement as a player. Definitely. Uh, for MVP, I'm gonna go with kind of like a tie between Brett and Zach. I think. For both from CMU, I think those two have just been forces for for the chips all year, um, and I think when they need a big play, it's been one of those two. Uh, true. I think both of them being leaders of that team really 
uh, also. Uh, for most improved, uh, I think I'm, I'm going to put Zach in there too. I think he was a good player last year, uh, but I think he's really stepped it up to be a top player this year. And then Felix is uh, agree. Felix, the lefty for OSU. Is he a rookie or no? The lefty. Um, I don't even know who you're talking about, man. <laughs> I don't know. He's a hard, he's a hard thrower as a lefty. Is he tall, curly-headed kid? He's tall, yeah. I mean, um, I think you're talking about Brian Peacock. Um, he, he he used to play minor league ball, so um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think he was picked up for a short time by the Kansas City Royals. Um, he was on their roster for a bit, but he was a pitcher, and so he's got a hell of an arm. He was there for a little bit last year, but he didn't travel a lot, so okay. a lot of people didn't know of him last year. Well, then, for all intents and purposes, I'm going to call him a rookie. Like right. said, he's my rookie of the year because he <laughs> he threw one at me in that game, and I literally just, like, I it was a, a reaction catch. It wasn't <laughs> like a... Oh, like I'm gonna do it. It was like I'm gonna get hit if I don't throw it <laughs> right now. So he, and that's one of the ones that stings, you know, after you catch it, where it's like you're like, ow. <laughs> uh, he, he he was really good. He impressed me all day that at that Kent State tournament. All right, and uh, Felix, you you already went correct. I already went. Yes. All right, so. Moving on to upcoming tournaments slash nationals. So upcoming tournaments, I know uh, DePaul has a tournament January 9th. Uh, I don't believe any of the – Colin, you guys are planning on going? No, I got to message them because <laughs> – yeah. well, Maybe they just can listen to this. <laughs> don't even message them. Just make sure – yeah. Sorry, you got to listen to the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I believe it's during most schools' winter break. Yeah, the Saturday I think of like before we go back to school and hopefully, uh, hopefully our football team will still be playing then. So we might have some some other plans. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough timing. They also, I believe, uh, DePaul will be having the CDO in February. So that will be um, that'll be interesting to see which because about. Thirteen teams want to go to it, but they only have room for five. So hopefully, uh, they pick Central and then three other teams. Uh, see, uh, when is the uh, Michigan Dodgeball Cup, Colin? Uh, Saturday, February twenty-seventh. All right, big day. Uh, uh, Felix, do you know of any other tournaments that have uh, been permanently scheduled yet? Unfortunately, no. Um, okay. What I all I know is that. Traditionally, UK hosts a tournament the last weekend or the a weekend last weekend of January, the first weekend of February. So hopefully they keep up with that because that's always a good time. You can get schools from uh, the South that play, but other than that, I don't know of any others. Okay. We want to host another two-team tournament or three-team tournament. So invite two teams. We have we don't really know who we're looking at right yet, but uh, probably late January or in March. Like later March, we might do it. Um, so yeah, we gotta talk to some teams, see if who would be down to go. Uh, I would love to try to get OSU up here. So cool. I'll talk to them, see see what they say, and what might work for them. Central will also be having, as far as I know now, we'll be having at least a three-team tournament in the spring, preferably March, is what I have been told. Awesome. So it's at least three teams. Hopefully more than that. 
That would be cool. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Felix, Nationals. Yeah, so Nationals is the weekend of April 16th and 17th this year. And uh, it's at Bowling Green State University. We'll be in their Perry Fieldhouse, which is the same venue that hosted it in 2010, which none of you were around for. But it was it was a good tournament. They have a great layout. They're actually renovating that building now. So um, everything will be brand new by April. And it's great because there are four courts in there. And that's the only thing that's in that building. Or the four courts, they're all separated by curtains. So the only part you have to worry about where dodgeballs are going to fly out would be the little corner where the curtains meet. But a lot of the time we can uh, section that off so that doesn't happen. So I'm really excited for this tournament. Um, I don't know how many schools are going to be there this year because since it's so centrally located again and we have two new Ohio teams, three new Ohio teams with Akron, Baldwin, Wallace, and Ohio University, I think this could potentially be the biggest one to date. So far, uh, WKU in 2011 was the largest national tournament with 17 teams when we hosted it that year. So I'm hoping that this year will be even bigger and that um, the competition will be more fierce. And it's not during Masters weekend, which is awesome. I don't know what that is, but that's good. Golf. Oh, does that really matter to people? Yeah, no, I, didn't even, I didn't even know people watch that anymore. But apparently, <laughs> now um, let me ask you guys this: What do you guys want out of nationals this year? As captains of your teams or senior leadership positions, what do you guys want out of your team out of nationals this year? I'll start. I think most importantly for me is on Sunday when you know everything's on the line and we'll be all fired up just to have competent officials who are confident in their calls they're making and and don't waver when undoubtedly someone will be yelling at them. Um, that's all I really ask for with officials is just to make sure that when you make a call, you make it definitively and uh, and you go with it because there's nothing worse than like, People being like, uh, uh, I don't know if he was out, uh, whatever, I'll just let it go on. Yeah. If you see him out, you call him out, that's what I want. Uh, and so I think as long as the, as the officials, you know, are definitive and they make their calls and they're consistent that the same throw is going to be treated as a throw every time and the same illegitimate throw is going to be an illegitimate throw every time, I think that's all, you know, Kevin or myself or anyone else will ask for as a captain on the court. Cool, cool. Um, that's one thing that I'm really pushing for this year is not only for players to go to tournaments, but alumni to go to tournament. That way they can get that refereeing, exp- or the officiating experience. I don't want brand new officials to be at nationals this year. I want it. I want as our league gets older, I want our experience to go with it. Um, I know that myself and Zig did a lot of games last year along with uh, Dylan Fedig, and I I know that the three of us well. Zig and I, at least, I'm sure Fedig will be there as well, but um, I'm pretty confident in the three of ours officiating uh, skills, and so I really want other schools to do the same with their alumni. Get them to come out to your tournaments, pay them, buy them beer, whatever you have to do to get them out there to get them that officiating experience. That way, come Nationals time, they will be confident, and they will be able to make those calls even when people are screaming in their face. 
and you have to tell Wes Peters to be quiet. So <laughs> I, I do that sure a lot. He appreciates the shout out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say for me, the big thing is uh, if you if there's something like you're a captain or something, if you want something out of nationals or with something with a schedule, don't wait a week before nationals is supposed oh, to start yeah. and start complaining and bitching. Yes. Excuse me, like, that, that drives me insane. Mm-hmm. And then it gets me riled up, and then I'm one of the people yelling and complaining. <laughs> and then I just, then I just added the problem. So, if you have a problem or something, talk to someone on eboard, and don't try to stir things up on uh, the Facebook group. So that's one Please. thing that we did with the the bylaws this year that uh, I spent the summer writing. It has how Nationals is going to be formatted. It has the entire structure in the bylaws, and I have emails and Facebook messages from every school except for I think three, which is a majority saying that these by- that they agree to these bylaws. So if there is any complaining this year, I'm just going to point them back to the message where they said, "Yeah, everything <laughs> in the bylaws was, was cool." So there's going to be no reason that everyone's going to be complaining, and if they do, then it's their own fault for not reading them, which I understand 76 pages worth of policy was a lot of lot to read, but writing it was even worse. So <laughs> um, <laughs> I just ask that. I, I, we're basing Nationals this year off of how it was last year because we got so much positive feedback for it. So your three games that you get will be against one pers- one opponent that you've haven't faced in the calendar year, or in, I'm sorry, in the season, um, one requested game and then one evenly matched game. It seemed to go over really well last year. People seemed to like it. And um, there also won't be any manipulating of the manual manipulation of the seedings like there was last year. I know there was a little <laughs> bit of discrepancy against that. And so we wrote it into the pol- policy and bylaws. So even if uh, Stevenson and Towson, who are only 10 minutes apart from each other, even if they get paired up, they're going to be playing each other. That's good. I mean, it stinks for them, but... Yep. I mean, unless Grand Valley and Central were playing, I agree with that completely. <laughs> First round, that would be a... That'd be a whole other story. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's great. Uh, Kevin, any th- how about you? Uh, to add on to what you guys have said, if we get... Like every game films again, that was a really cool, I guess, yeah, thing that awesome. happened at Western Kentucky is getting every game filmed and then commentating too. Uh, so I hope that that happens again because that was pretty awesome. But a- as Colin said, having good refs always helps. <laughs> yeah, I don't – so I've only been to GB, uh, Bowling Green once. I'm Felix, I'm sure you've been there more than I have. But I, that's the, my big concern about Nationals is how are they going to be able to film with the nets everywhere? Yeah, it'll have so, to be on the ground probably. Yeah. Either in the yeah. ground or behind the uh, the partitions that we'll have that are blocking those corners where the um, the court or the curtains meet. So on the two end curtain or end courts, there is seating. There's enough bleacher seating so people can watch. Um, from inside the court, and so you can have cameras in those, but for the two middle courts, there's there's less than two feet between the edge of the court and the curtain. Yeah. So unfortunately, the footage will have to be shot from the corner uh, behind the partition, which is a 
great area to get hit by a ball. So hopefully we'll get some GoPros and uh, they'll be able to withstand a nice shot so we don't have another broken camera situation like in 2013 at UK. All right. Good. All right. So, uh, Felix, is there anything else you'd like to talk about for Nationals? No, not for Nationals. Um, I really just I urge you guys to ask questions early on. If you guys uh, have suggestions as far as anything to do with the, the tournament, please bring it up now. We're five months away from Nationals, but honestly, that's not a lot of time. There's a lot of planning and um, organization that goes on in the back end that most players aren't aware of. They're... There are over 500 registered members of the NCBA, which is amazing, and probably only 20 of them actually will see 5% of what goes on within the league. And so I'm really excited for this year. I think it's going to be a great Nationals. Uh, Tyrell has so far done a good job of getting stuff organized, and I really, I'm just looking forward to it. I hope it's the biggest tournament in NCBA history. How are the hotels coming along? Are they... So Tyrell was meeting with a bunch of uh, different hotels this week, uh, or I'm sorry, last week, to look at different pricing models and contract options. So um, he was going to put together some sort of informal report at the end of his semester because he's got finals this week, and then he'll, he's going to let us know before Christmas uh, what our options are. And then as the, the board, we'll kind of look over the options and then present the best ones to the league. Cool. Right on. Cool. All right. Uh, moving on. So, uh, so we're towards the end of our podcast. If you stuck with us this far, I'm impressed. Uh, so, for final uh, bold predictions for the second half of the season, it needs to be about a team other than your own. And if you really want to, you can add in a bold prediction like winning the national championship for your own team. <laughs> I don't think that'll be bold from any of the three of us. No, I don't think it'll be very bold at all. So, uh, if you come up with one, a bold prediction, please go. I My bold prediction is that Kent State, when they actually get their guys, will upset a Michigan team, whether it be Saginaw, Michigan State, Central, or Green Valley. So, and also same with Ohio State. I think both Ohio State and Kent State will upset a machine team this year. All right. I'll go next. Uh, okay. You. First one, which Felix already ruined, he said uh, that it's probably going to be the biggest nationals ever, <laughs> so the biggest tournament ever. And I think that's one of my bold predictions is that nationals will be more than like 16 teams. I bet you it'll be closer to 20. Yep. Uh, awesome. Another bold prediction. Several teams from the state of Michigan go to the Beast at JMU whenever that <laughs> happens to be. Uh, I feel like that's going to happen. Uh, and then lastly, Ohio State will finally make it to the Final Four. I know that people have been predicting that for a couple years and they haven't been able to. So that's my bold prediction is that this year they finally do that. Last time they did that was at uh, Bowling Green State in 2010. Wow. That was my, my, my bullet bowl prediction was that JMU will not make the Final Four this year. So see. if that hints at anything. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, 
Well, you guys kind of took two of my, my bold ones there with my saying that OSU will be in and Jamie will be out of the Final Four. Uh, let's see what else here. I think there will be multiple OT games at the MDC. <laughs> I don't know. I just yeah. think based on the track record now and, uh, you know, what will be playing. It's not very bold. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> might, not, might just be more according to the uh, more <laughs> same. Um, and then, um, I'm going to say that, uh, Towson, what was it, how, how close has Towson played Jamie this year? They're not off the top of their head. Uh, they did play, they, Towson lost to JMU 3-0. Yeah. Okay. I think they played twice, though, didn't they? Oh, no, they twice. Th they only played once? Uh, Towson right now is, is one and two, so they've only played wow. once, yeah. Well, I'm, I can't think of any more bold predictions. <laughs> well, I think Towson, if Towson comes back, are they allowed to practice or no? No, they can't do anything. Not for, wow. like, until next semester, but, yeah. Well, I think that they'll come out angry, and I think they'll beat Maryland that they'll be better than Maryland this year. And I, but that's also because I don't think Maryland's very good. But <laughs> <laughs> So I don't really – it doesn't say much about Towson, but I love you guys. You guys are cool. <laughs> uh, Felix. All right, so here's my bold prediction. I, I think that Penn State is going to make it to the, the final eight of Nationals this year um, Ooh, based on okay. what you know, based on what people are saying about the – the tournament that they attended, I think it was at JMU. Um, they played very, they very well one, as a right? team. Yeah, they beat VCU 5-0. Um, they beat Kent 5-0, and they lost to JMU oh, 5. Yeah, they uh, lost to JMU 5-2. So that must have been a really good game. Um, I I think they're going to come out strong. They're kind of the dark horse of the league because they haven't really. Uh, they've only ever really come to nationals where people have taken notice of them, and so I want them to come out strong. Um, I also think that RIT Rochester, I think they will, they will really surprise a lot of people. I played against them at that tournament in Grand Valley, or I'm sorry, in Grand Rapids a few weeks ago, and their top six players are absolutely amazing. Um, Wait, then why I, don't they play? So they're they're just too far away from everyone. They play of a lot of elite. Um, so as far as getting 15 people, that's their own that's their issue. I'd okay. say their top seven or eight though. Um, I would put their top six against any other top six in the league. Really? And yeah, and I would say they go toe to toe if not win. The their top three guys on that top six are incredible. Um, Tim Wells, their captain. His body moves in a lot of weird ways, and he's able to make ridiculous catches and dodges um, like I've never seen before. And I think it's because he's played a lot of elite, and so he's used to the, the fast grip balls from very close up, and so he's able to react quickly. So uh, those are my bold predictions with Penn State and RIT taking, uh, taking on some good competition and winning. So they are planning on playing? Because I know for you, they've been saying that for a while now. Yeah, so 
um, especially after that that tournament that I, I played with them at, I I basically told them you guys need to get back in the NCDA, and they paid their dues last year. Um, I think they've sent in their check for this year, so they've been members of the league. They just haven't been able to play against a lot of people because of their travel restrictions and everything like that. Yeah. Okay. So I really hope that this year they will show up and people can see what what they've got going on. All right. So, thank you, Felix. Uh, yep. So, we're uh, at the end of our podcast. Uh, so, uh, boys, any closing thoughts or anything you would like to say up to our listeners? Uh, just excited for the second half of the season. And now that Felix said something about Penn State and RIT like that, I think this Nationals is going to end up being, like, more surprises than any other Nationals before. Mm-hmm. based on how much parity there is in the league and how close everyone is uh, skill-wise. So it's going to be really exciting to see how the couple big tournaments in the second semester go, and then, of course, Nationals is going to be really exciting. Tom? I think touching on the parity that Kevin said, um, just from my experience playing all these teams, uh, there isn't, like, the the coast wins anymore, you know? Like, even with, like, the, when we played Akron at Kent State, they jumped out with ball possession and kind of picked us off a little bit on, the, on our back line <laughs> before we were able to make a couple of catches and then kind of turn the tables. But, you know, that's yeah, that's a missed catch here for maybe turning around and then taking the first point. Kentucky coming out and taking the first point versus us. I think there's no more games where you can just say, okay, you know, we're a so-called top team. You can just roll out there and just and beat anybody. I think every every team has, has gotten so much better. Where you know the top may have stayed the same, but the but the middle and the bottom is closing the gap. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know we're maybe not changing the top yet, but it's definitely it's on the way there. Um, so you know who knows what will happen in three four years? Maybe uh, you know we're getting more teams from Ohio especially, I think the biggest thing that makes Michigan so good is we play each other. So I think, you know, with Ohio State being where they are now, if Baldwin Wallace keeps improving so fast that maybe Ohio can turn into a hotbed region of, you know, the top of the league in four years' time. Uh, so it's really encouraging to me just the difference from my freshman year to now of seeing the, the growth of the middle and the bottom of the league. Felix. So this is my eighth season with the NCDA, um, and my first Nationals is at Grand Valley. It was uh, April 10th and 11th, 2009. There were seven teams there, and the league was very, very different. And so just coming, seeing where it's come from and where it is now, it's absolutely incredible. And that's what I'm, I'm really I'm pushing for is... As your president, I'm hoping to help you guys uh, enjoy your time with dodgeball and not have to worry about so much stuff on the back end because that's my job. Um, I want to take care of all the stuff that keeps this organization afloat and allow you guys to focus on your teams, allow you guys to focus on your game and allow you guys to just play dodgeball and have fun. And so um, a lot of guys before me, Pave the way like Bomus and Raymer and Ben Murphy. Those guys set the tone for what they wanted this league to be, and then now we have the the uh, the membership to make it actually happen. So I'm really excited about this league, 
and uh, where we are now, and I just hope it continues to grow. So if you guys have any skills you would like to bring to the table, the uh, executive board is always looking for additional staff members in all different uh, departments and facets. So if you've got anything to offer, um, we, off we also do offer internships, and we can do internships for college credits. So I would have loved to have done that when I was getting my undergrad. And so if you, guys have, awesome. if you guys have anything over the summer, we definitely have work for you to do. So just keep that in mind. Pass that on to your teams. Keep spreading the word about the league to friends that you have at other schools because that's how teams start. That's how Akron started. Baldwin Wallace, Virginia Tech, um, just, just from this year alone. So just keep growing, keep having fun, and keep playing dodgeball. One more thing I'll say is, uh, as much as I love hearing Kevin, Lasky, and myself's opinions, uh, we pretty much are based the content team out of Michigan. So we really could use more Ohio guys, more East Coast East guys. Coast. Like, East Coast. Like, please, like, if you if you have an opinion about your team or other teams, like, feel free to to write it. I started on the content team last year because I said, hey, Kevin, here's a recap that I said that I wrote about uh, one of the tournaments and then he's like hey do you want to join the content team I said sure I mean that's all it takes is just you know you put your opinions on the page of, of what you're seeing so the more diverse opinions we have the better so yep we don't get to see East Coast teams we need we need some voices out there credit to Sean Smith Sean Smith has done a great job Sean though is in a very busy part of his life right now working for multiple different jobs and going to school. So yeah. getting help out the East Coast, I know he would appreciate it as well. But uh, thank you, Colin, for saying that. We also, yeah, we, we enjoy writing, but also having getting responses from you, the listeners and the readers. Uh, we know you're reading. We just, it'd be nice to hear your thoughts, even if, even if it's they're not nice, even if you're like, wow, that was a terrible article. <laughs> Just tell me. That's fine. I enjoy hearing that. Uh, let us know what your thoughts are if you agree or disagree even for this podcast because that's what keeps us writing and keeps us motivated is when we get a reaction out of you and you respond back to us. So, All right. I think that is about it. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, anybody else, anything they'd like to add? No. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to Average Joe's podcast. Be sure to check out more episodes of Average Joe's on iTunes or our website, ncdadodgeball.com. Until next time, just remember the five D's of dodgeball. Dodge, duck, dip, dive, dodge. Bye-bye.